for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, I want you this morning, I want you to pause for just a second. I want you to really, really think about something that probably doesn't cross your mind on a regular basis that's very, very important. And I don't care if you're, you're 12 or 13 years old, I don't care if you're... 85 years old or or older, wherever you may be, wherever you are in your life, if you're a single person, if you're a married person, if you're a person that is a believer in Jesus or a person that is not a believer in Jesus, wherever you may be, I want you to think about this reality because this is the view from the Judeo-Christian perspective, and that is that every single person made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, was created and made specifically for something, all right? You were knitted together perfectly in your mother's womb, all right, for something in your life. And this is usually the point where those of you that don't like yourself very much say, well, not me. You know, I can't speak in front of people. I don't have these gifts. I'm too shy, or I'm too anxious, or I have these problems, or in the past, or maybe in, in the current, I'm struggling with uh, substance abuse issues. I'm not a very good spouse, whatever that might look like. The point that I'm trying to make is that you were actually made for something. So I want you to really think about that because you're not going to get out of here today without really thinking about that. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. And I mean, even beyond being a child of God, you were made for something. All right. And I believe that the beauty of the body of Christ is that we find it here. We find it among this body. So I am very optimistic about the way that this looks. And again, I'll say it again. It's not found within a building. All right, it's found within a body. People often ask the question, and I ask the question a lot whenever I was in my late teens, but even more specifically in my early 20s, is there more to life than this, you know, than, than punching the clock than feeling like I'm going through the exact same routines every single day. Is there more? Like even when I, whenever we do take a vacation or even when there is an adventurous time in my life, even when things do change a little bit, like is there something deeper? Is there something more to this? And what if this something individually in your life is not only found through an inner investigation, like a philosophical who am I, but is actually discovered collectively in a body of people. The problem that that you guys are are probably seeing that I'm pointing out very often is that we've created a very individualized spirituality. Uh, You know, a lot of people who will say, well, I'm I'm not for uh, institutionalized religion, but I am a spiritual person, so they kind of try to go it on its own. That's not the beauty of Christianity. The beauty of Christianity is that it is discovered among a people group, like-minded people. No, not like-minded in every single way, 
but united in the Spirit. That's been another theme of this series, has been constant unification. We've talked about that so much. All right, so I think this is exciting. I think it's wonderful to know that as you sit here right now, and you think, because maybe you're very young, I can't do much. Well, there was a boy named David. You know, there was a boy named Jeremiah who thought the same things. Or you may say to yourself, well, I'm way too old. I'm past my prime. Think about all of the Old Testament figures that were used when we would, Moses, for example, Abraham would be another example, that were used way past what in this world today would have been considered their prime. All right, kingdom principles and American principles are not the same thing. All right, so the way that these things work are very different. So what I'm hoping today is that you come alive inside, even if you, because you're in two different places, and we'll kind of cover this, this message and the next message. Some of you are in a place where, where God is kind of pushing you. I know in my, my wife's situation with some of the things that are going on in her life with, with a calling that, that God is really kind of pushing her, all right? And, and maybe God is doing that to some of you, but for others of you that are in here right now, maybe it's not something that you've ever given a whole lot of thought to, but you'll leave here today beginning that investigation of what is it that I'm supposed to do in my life. I can tell you this right now, it is not the will of God for any human being to sit on their rear end in a church service for the rest of their lives. I can promise you that as far as what the gospel actually is. We open this series with a theme that I believe rings very true to today's message. I've not mentioned it the last couple messages, but I did the first two, and it's this. Church is not a building, an event, or a weekend experience, though often that's the way over time we've crafted it. Church is a body of people working together to bring the kingdom of God to earth. This has been our primary focus. Today we're in the fifth part of a six-week series in which we are challenging people to rethink church. We are discussing some of the predominant themes that personify the meaning of the church, at least what it's supposed to be. And today I want to talk about this, that the church is not useless, all right? Because that's what a lot of people think today. Well, the church is useless. Why do you even bother going to the church? It's useless. No, it's a place of equipping. It's a place in which we recognize these gifts, It's a place in which who we are and the predominant themes of human flourishing, what it means to be happy, comes from this place and no other place. If you believe it comes solely in a spouse, society has tricked you. If you believe that it comes in a job, culture has tricked you. As a dad, and and, and watching my two youngest kids Um, my two biological children be born, I can tell you that was the most amazing thing that I have ever seen. But after both children were born, I immediately turned them back over to God, understanding that there is a greater purpose. And this is a purpose in your life. I hope that the scales are removed from your eyes so that you can see clear, no, I'm just a salesman. No, I'm just a teacher. I can pitch in a little bit if the church needs. No, you were made for something. Every time you feel discouraged, maybe if you struggle with, with depression and some of these issues, or you wonder why the world seems so crazy, there is a reason you are still breathing. And that is something that we are going to talk about 
today. So today I want us to focus on this key passage early in Acts. We've been moving through the book, but we're actually going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1 earlier than we've been at all. Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 6 through 14. So what we're going to see in this passage in Acts is going to reveal the initial steps of equipping. And this is going to provide a framework for us to open ourselves up to the wondrous gifts that are locked inside of each of us. And again, this is very exciting for me because this is what I believe. When I pray up a service before I come to church, whenever I pray on Saturday evenings for the next day, my anticipation, if there are four or five people here, or four or five hundred people here, or however many people that are going to listen to this message online, my hope and my desire is that people are going to leave here or leave the experience of this service, at least a few, recognizing there really is more for me. There really is something for me. And this church is going to be at its best when some of you, even if it's just a few of you, really start to tap into what God wants for you in your life, and you're able to incorporate that into the body. Sometimes it's incorporated really strongly into the body. Sometimes it turns into individual ministries that you do outside of the body, and there's a lot of examples of that. Okay, so Acts begins after the resurrection and before the ascension. This is when Jesus is going back into heaven after the resurrection. Jesus is giving his disciples some final instructions. These final instructions will serve as the soil and the roots of the early church, and it begins with equipping. All right, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 14. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, I know you are going to restore, or Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, he is telling them that they have to have faith. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right, this is a theme that we keep talking about every single week, that every single bit of this begins and ends with the power of the Holy Spirit falling upon people. So it doesn't matter how well we organize a church service. It doesn't matter how detailed, structured, or even talented that we may be. If we are not praying and crying out for the Holy Spirit to fall upon this place, none of these things that we're talking about, we can't even discover these things that we're talking about so serious. So when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted. This is the ascension. He's going back to heaven. He was lifted up on a cloud and took from their sight. While he was going away, as they were staring toward him, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, these two men, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? In other words, why aren't you going about the Father's business and doing something? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way that you saw him go into heaven. 
when they returned to Jerusalem. So keep in mind, this is a pretty critical moment because this is their first moment without Jesus. When they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away, when they entered the city, they went upstairs to an upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the zealot, and Judas, James's son. Listen at this. All were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All right, so we see the preparation stages of the early church, and I want us to point out a few areas that can be confused simply on the basis of terminology. All right, because terminology and language is very important. I believe that if we are seeking to build a culture at this church, and that is something that we have talked about a lot in leadership, is building a consistent and solid culture. So anytime, it doesn't matter if it's the business world, if it's the educational world, if it's the church world, if you are seeking to build a culture, language matters. All right, the way that the words that you use and the way that you use these words, it matters. It was Mark Twain that said, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is like the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. All right, so the difference between the right word and the almost right word. Husbands, trust me, I'm saying from experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The right word and the almost right way of saying it are two very different things. So this is something that we need to pay very close attention to. All right, so what I want you to notice first is this. There is a difference, and it's important that we recognize this. There is a difference between talents and gifts. All right, there is a difference between talents and gifts. Now, they often are used interchangeably, and that's okay. Because sometimes they are going to overlap. Sometimes the things that, that, that bring about a lot of talent in your life often also translate to spiritual gifts. All right, I'm going to give you some examples of that in just a minute. But verses 6 through 8. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set up by his own authority. Rather, or instead, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or you will receive power or gifting as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is beginning to ending or finish the work of the Holy Spirit. So make sure that you hear this right here. Talent is a product of natural ability. Some of you are wired a certain way. The majority of you miss this on Sunday mornings, but when Justin comes up here to play, Jared goes over here uh, just shortly before Caleb gets here, and, and sometimes right when Caleb gets here, and he nails it on the drums. All right, That's genetic. That's there. There are things that I have from my parents, things that you have from your parents, or maybe things that you have, gifts that you have, that have nothing to do with your genetic wiring. But the point is that even though you may be down on yourself, even though you may be insecure and not like yourself much, I could talk to you for a few minutes, and others could, and tell you things. 
Talent is a product of natural ability, and gifts are a result of submission to the work of the Spirit. Meaning, so many people, and please understand this, I'm not talking about the majority of people in society, I'm talking about the majority of people in church, live their entire lives wondering what they could have done, wondering what they could have been. Had I stepped out in boldness when I felt like God was calling me to do this, or had I made the decision to serve in my church, it could have possibly opened the door to so many other things, but instead, because of fear, because of self-doubt, because I'm so introverted, because I'm so broken, I'm not going to do this. Name one time in Scripture where God ever used one person that had it all together. You ever seen it? I haven't. I have never seen a situation in Scripture in which an individual, man or woman, didn't walk forward without a tremendous amount of apprehension and said, God, I can't do this. Never you know, down the road maybe, but never at first, I'm just ready for the task. Sign me up. I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. No, it's always, I can't speak. I can't teach. I'm of the poorest tribe. I'm of the worst of my people. I've done this in the past. It's always the underdog. In fact, what I worry about and what I'm very careful about is people who come to me in my, my experience in church, and right off the bat, they're trying to figure out how to get into leadership. All right, you know, at the very beginning, well, I want to do this where I want to do that. No, it is those of you that are struggling right now with the next step, whatever that looks like in your little personal calling. It is that next step that you're struggling with that God wants to pull you through. Some of you are in the exact right place that you need to be. Matt, I'm 92 years old. Matt, I've been divorced. Matt, I, I've had this, this issue happen and everyone knows about it. You're probably in the best possible place that you could be to be used by God. So these are the things that we have to pay attention to. All right, now, gifts and talents can overlap, as, as, as I said, and I'll give you an example of this, all right? Uh, l- let, me, let me share this with you. I'm not good at a lot of stuff, all right? And I have no problem admitting that whatsoever, all right? And I, and I really never have. And what I mean by this, I, I, I wish Dad was, was here today, all right? Because there were times whenever I was a kid, that my dad would lift up the hood, show me, now boys, this is how you change your oil. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. Or, or, or the infamous, he'd laugh if he was here, time that we worked on the screen door, putting the screen door up. Baptist pastors can get pretty mad too, okay? Just so you know. All right? I can't tell you how many times he tried to show my brother and I how to do all these manly, masculine things that we were supposed to learn as we got older that we just never learned. It's like my brain turns off, all right? And when I'm sitting there with instructions trying to put something together, I think very dark, negative thoughts. I thought Beth and I were going to get a divorce when we put Cora's crib together, and I'm not joking. 
And now she doesn't even ask me. Whenever we walk in, whenever she walks in the house and she's got like this, uh, this big toy for one of the kids and it needs to be put together, she just starts doing it herself. Like she doesn't even ask. All right? So I can admit that. And some of you already know that. I've, I don't know how much I've bothered Ryan Oaks about questions about different stuff. All right? So you're going to get to know that about me. But I can teach. I know I can do that. And this is before like pastoring and going back into ministry and things like that. Whenever I, I, I knew that I was going to teach. And I knew that if you put me, which I know this is nails on a chalkboard to so many of you, but you could put me in a coffee house or you could put me in an office with a stack of books this high that are extreme philosophy, history, that are extremely difficult for a lot of people to understand. And for whatever reason, I can take extremely difficult concepts within certain fields and explain them to people so that they can understand them in everyday terms. All right, I don't know why, but that's something that I have the ability to do. Okay, so that is a talent. Now, a gift is teaching Scripture. All right, it does happen to translate into another and much more important area of my life. But here is the difference. Talents are wonderful, but they don't transform lives. Spiritual gifts endowed by the power of the Holy Spirit on your very being, which every person in here has access to, changes lives. And if you don't believe me, step out and tell your story. Step out into this calling, into this area of ministry that God may be dealing with you about. Every single person in here is equipped and gifted with a personal ministry, a personal calling, a way to serve, even if you don't believe it. Now, our goal as the church, this is one of our goals because this is a series, Rethink Church, is to create an environment for you to realize and recognize your spiritual gifting. All right, so why are we here? That's what we're doing. We're talking about why we're here. We are here to help you recognize and realize what is locked inside of you that has the ability to transform the lives of other people. And every single one of you in here has this gifting. Now, that doesn't mean that every single spiritual gift fits into the vision of a particular church. But it does mean that there are a lot of things that you can do independently. I, I worked with a guy, I actually had lunch with him in Kentucky last week. His, his name is Tim. He does a, a ministry called the Lunchroom Project. If Tim were here today, he would say the exact same thing. Uh, Tim struggles financially. Tim is not a very organized person whenever it comes to putting things together. But there was no question that God, God had a call in his life. And I told him this early on. I said, Tim, if you will be faithful in what you are doing... God is going to put everything you need around you so that you can carry this out. And how about this? Within six months, one of the judges in town 
was helping Tim with his ministry, with the organizing of it, with the delivering of food, and with everything that he was supposed to do. It begins with faithfulness. It begins with the obedience to step out. And it is the responsibility of pastors and other leaders in the church to help people discover why they are here. You see, one of the mistake, greatest mistakes that you've possibly even made in this message is you could say, I'm not called to do something as great as Matt because he's a pastor. And that could not be further from the truth. Your reach because of the area that God is working with you or will work with you could be greater than anything I could ever imagine for my own life. All right, so this is something that we need to understand. Now, something else, and, and this, one, this one is a little bit more practical and we really get on the ground with this one. There is a difference between volunteering and serving. There is a difference between volunteering and serving. You may say, well, they've, they've always seemed like the same thing to me. You know, what could be the difference between serving and volunteering? All right, let, let's talk about this. Volunteering is a choice. All right, if we have a ministry in this church and we ask people to volunteer, that's kind of like a choice. Serving is more of a personal calling and a higher responsibility that we are all expected to do. You see, you can volunteer at anything. All right, volunteering can also become very works-based. And what I mean by that is people get to the point where they say, you know what, I don't just attend Believer's Church every Sunday, you know, patting themselves on the back because they're always in church, but I also serve in kids' ministry. I also help greet at the front door. I also help make the coffee. When they ask me to, I play the drums in the band. Whenever they ask me to, I do this or that. I take up the offering. All right, so what we can do is we can get a little bit proud of ourselves. We can start to pat ourselves on the back a lot of times, and I guarantee you that there are people in this room right now that have done that before. I'm not just attending that church. I'm helping the wheels turn in that church. I'm pretty important. Another thing about serving is it's a, it's a deeper pouring out of ourselves, and it doesn't end whenever we leave the church building. It's something that's, that's cosmetic. It's something that's in our DNA and wired within us when the Holy Spirit has poured it upon us. And this is why from this day forward, from this day forward, whenever I'm talking about people serving in this church, you will not hear me use the word volunteering. Now, I might mess up sometimes, and if I do, I want to be corrected or I'll correct myself. But we are not going to talk about people as volunteers. We are going to talk about people as servants. And the reason that we're going to talk about people as servants is because we are going to wire this higher calling into our DNA, into what we are. Verse 14, all were united in their devotion to prayer along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were servants, all right? Jesus has ascended. Now, what are we supposed to do? The, the message is ours to deliver. We have to mobilize together. We have to pray. 
and we have to figure out what it is that we are supposed to do. So we can gather and discuss using our talents for the betterment of other people, or we can use spiritual gifting to pour into people. Notice that the early followers of Jesus were not devising a plan to build a better organization. Or instead, they were using spiritual gifts to pour in to a spiritual family. All right, this is the origins of the Jesus movement. And this is where it all starts. All right, so the good news again, I'm going to say it again because some of you don't believe me. Every person in here, regardless of your age, regardless of your nationality, regardless of struggles that you may have, has spiritual gifting. But listen to me very carefully because this is what a lot of you do. Don't complicate this. Don't complicate it. Because for some of you that are natural procrastinators in your lives, this is what you're doing. And I know that I'm preaching to somebody today. You're saying, well, I know God's called me to do something. I know that I have the responsibility to do things. And whenever he shows me what it is, meaning whenever it gloriously falls from the sky, I'm going to do it. Listen to me. That rarely ever happens in that way. It rarely ever happens in that way. All right, it's very rare that a person that doesn't normally serve or a person that serves very little, all of a sudden, just one day, something falls in their lap and they say, that's what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life. Instead, what they are doing is they are procrastinating and they are putting off serving and spiritual gifting in their lives. You know, people exactly like that. Well, I, you know, you figured out what you want to do, Matt, what God's called you to do. I can't wait till he shows me. I can't wait until that happens. And then they're in their 30s, and they're in their 40s, and they're in their 50s, and their 60s, and their 70s, and they never do anything because they're waiting on this thing to fall out of the sky. So this is the recommendation that I have for you and what I want you to consider. Start serving somewhere. Start doing something. Before I went into pastoral ministry, Beth and I served in kids' ministry once a month. Knew pretty quickly that wasn't my calling, but we did that. There are other areas of the church that I've served before I recognized and realized exactly what God wanted me to do. I was a small group pastor before I was a teaching pastor and a lead pastor. So usually there is a progression. The point is get involved doing something. And God is going to reveal. Now I want to say this as I say that. I understand that we're in a pandemic. I understand that a lot of the ministries that usually function in this church and outside of this church as well as some new ministries that we would like to start within this church, we simply can't do right now. Everybody understands that. But the point is that the posture of the heart, of your individual heart, needs to be directed towards service within the body because everyone has spiritual gifts. Now, why must we equip the body? This is absolutely critical, and please don't miss this. 
And the reason that this is so important is because this is at least 90% of churches that I'm going to mention right now. This is why this is so important, okay? If you have a gifted speaker or pastor, and you're telling everyone, you've got to come and hear our preacher. You've got to come and hear our pastor. Uh, You know, this person is wonderful, You've got to check this out. This is absolutely amazing. You just, you're going to start coming to our church if you hear our pastor. If that is your state of mind and that's what your church looks like, you don't have a healthy church. You have a cult of personality. You have a church that is directed toward one individual that could never equip an entire body. If your situation is that you have a gifted speaker and some gifted doers, which is typically around 10% of the body in the average church, you don't have a healthy church. You have a small group of hard-working perfectionists that have turned their serving into an idol. We must equip the body. We must equip the body. I'm going to say it one more time. We must equip the body. Every single believer in Christ has gifts that must be used. And if this depends on one person, that person's going to burn out and self-destruct. If that depends on a small group of people, those people are going to do everything and never pour anything into anyone else. We must equip the body. The church is responsible for equipping the body. Consider it like a career center on a supernatural level. We must equip the body. So what we want to do at Believer's Church is is make sure that we're doing this. And you might ask, how in the world do we do that? Just a a few things to leave with today. All right? Um, I first want to say that this is a very slow process. It's never something that happens overnight. And when you're in the middle, hopefully closer to the end of the middle, of a pandemic, it's a very, very, very slow process. But my personal opinion is that this is exactly what the church needed to wake up. Even though I, like you, I hate it. The first thing that we have to do is we have to build a culture and an infrastructure around vision and mission. We need alignment in our church. We could call this the why. We need to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And when we talk about equipping the body, we're not saying some people go in this direction, some people go in this direction, some people go in this direction, and that's okay because they're all discovering a spiritual calling. That's not a body. That's not a body. One vision, one mission, one culture. And everyone, everyone is equipped within this system. Now, as an interim pastor, like not a lead pastor, but an interim pastor, I've been very careful about casting that kind of vision because it's not my job all right, in the position that I'm in right now. However, you cannot equip the body 
the way that the body needs to be addressed if we are not centralized around common ideas and understanding why it is that we're doing what we're doing. All right, the second thing that we need to do is that people within the body must understand, oh, oh my goodness, this is so important, must understand that serving is not optional, but a spiritual mandate for all believers. All right, so, so those people that have found it very easy just to sneak into a pew or a chair on Sundays and hide for many, many years, that is not your calling. God has made you for more. And I'm going to tell you something. August the 30th, 2020, isn't that an incredible day to take a step? In the midst of this pandemic, isn't it a wonderful time? Isn't it a wonderful day to say, God, I know you're, you're pushing me in this direction. Show me what I'm supposed to do next, and I'm going to go further. You know what? I'm going to write on that Connect card today to Pastor Matt what I feel like God has been working on me with for maybe a period of time. And I'm going to share this with him so that, so that he can reach out and help me and give me some direction or see if this works within the body right now. Maybe you're in a situation where you say, I don't know what God wants me to do. But I'm not going to wait for it to fall out of the sky. I'm going to start praying intentionally. I can't remember who it was that said this, but he said, where there's a need, there's a ministry. Let's not overcomplicate this thing, okay? Where your talents, they often translate to your gifts, but on a spiritual level, what can you do and how God, can God use you? Some of you are great public speakers. Some of you are good with your hands. Some of you have the gift of compassion. Some of you are good listeners. Some of you are wonderful with children. Some of you are musicians. We are all spiritually gifted, and we all need one another. So it's not optional. It is a spiritual mandate for all of us. This 10% junk of 10% of the church holding the whole thing up, it's not biblical. It is a body that serves together. And then third, the body must be united in one direction. All right? And, and I'm, one thing that I'm saying differently about this than the first point, around this common mission, around the vision, around the values is this. Unity is essential. It is absolutely essential. So a lot of times, whenever people start to get excited about their own personal ministry, about the direction that God is sending them, about how they are supposed to be equipping the body, the phrase that they need to understand is, is that it's not about them. It's about the collective body working together over and over. So what did the early believers, what did they understand about their mission? This says this in verse 13 and verse 14. When they entered the city, this is right after the ascension, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. All men and women were united in their devotion to prayer. We are in the midst of a pandemic. It kills us control freaks because we have no idea what to expect tomorrow. There have always been so many predictables 
And right now, there are very few predictables. So it's causing us to have to lean into our faith in a greater way. So we're not going to go to an upstairs room because we don't have one. But what we are going to do is we're going to close out right now in prayer, unified together. And as Peter makes his bold step that will later lead Barnabas and Paul, we are going to pray, Father, what is our gifting? Father, what is the work that you would have us to do? All right, and before, unless you know this is God, God is something, God is something, this is something that God is calling you to do, this is something that you really need to think about and pray about over time. So I'd like to ask you to bow your head and to close your eyes. And I want to give you just a second to think. You're 65 years old. You've recently retired. What does the Spirit have for you? You're a college student or a high school student. What does the Spirit have for you? You have a weakness nobody else knows about, and in that weakness, there's a story. What does God have for you? You are desperately alone. And even though you're around people all of the time, you feel like you're by yourself. There's a story there. And then as we get this down on the practical level, when we look at hospitality within the church, serving, serving our kids, playing in the worship band, welcoming new people, all of these different things that we are going to need over time. How is God ministering to you? Father, we have absolutely nothing without you. We are morally and we are spiritually bankrupt. Father, there are things that we can do with our talents. And with our talents, we can make a lasting difference in this world, but it does not go beyond this world. Father, how can Believer's Church mobilize together to make a difference into the future so that one day, whenever there is a crawling baby that would normally be in this nursery, is long gone, If the earth is still here, Believer's Church is a beacon of hope for broken people who need Jesus. Father, this doesn't happen through a charismatic speaker. It doesn't happen through three or four wonderful personalities. It doesn't happen through a really strong business model for leading It happens when the saints step up, practice obedience, 
practice ownership and step out in faith to get their hands dirty and get the job done. Now, as all um, heads are bowed and all eyes are still closed, I do want to invite you, if there's something that you want to talk to me about, if it is something that God is dealing with you in your life, a personal calling, a direction that you feel that he is sending you, but you're just not certain yet, please make sure that you place that on your Connect card. Just put it in the bucket today as you go by. If you guys will stand with us, we're going to close in worship.